0: This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. This week, I am joined by a llama and a peasant falling off a bridge and about to plunge to a crocodile doom unless they can learn to work together. Nick White. Uh, yes. <laughs> Kara <laughs> Shaborsky. Hey. <laughs> Listen. I just, you know, some people write things in the doc and I just read them verbatim like Ron Burgundy. So this is what's happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. Welcome to the I Comic Books Podcast. This is episode 264. I'm here to talk to two very fantastic people about comic books and all other things. But before we get into it, I have one quick announcement. If you haven't seen it, if you didn't get a chance, I created this new merch store for the show. Um, It's on Big Cartel. I moved it over to a website, shop.ircbpodcast.com. Our pins were up there. They're currently in transit to a new location so they can be distributed better. But if you want, we have hats, we have sweaters, we've got a new t-shirt in the merch store. If you need to get some IRCB merch, go to shop.ircbpodcast.com. Get one today. The sweater is embroidered like it's a legit, like you have the IRCB logo thing embroidered in your chest. It's awesome. I can't wait to get mine. So go grab one. But anyways... Let's get into this show. Let's talk about comic books. Let me ask the legally mandated question I have to ask every week. How have you been and how have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara.
1: Okay, so um, I am very much a Christmas person. And I think I might be the only Christmas person who is like not totally mad at the reality of 2020 pandemic christmas because (laughs) last last christmas was like weirdly emotionally fraught for me so Mm. like i wish the pandemic wasn't here but instead of being sad or mad about the reality of not having christmas be the annual gathering of friends and family i am choosing to be like Thank God. Like I really need a reset from other humans. So... The
0: song just simply having a wonderful Christmas. <laughs> it's just going in circles in your head.
1: Actually, so I bring this up because, nice segue, Mike, the song that has been stuck in my head for this whole oh. past week is Carly Rae Jepsen's new <laughs> single, It's Not Christmas Till Somebody Cries, which is <laughs> such a... A fun song and speaks to me on a deep personal level. I feel like it's the uh-huh. perfect song for this year. It's a, It sounds like it should be a depressing song, but actually it's really funny. Like the lyrics are clever and it's this like upbeat pop earworm that like will not get out of my head. And because I, I literally did cry on Christmas last year and like depression napped all day on Boxing Day I am like mm-hmm. ready to just fully embrace like Christmas will be different this year I am going to stay home and keep my family and friends safe but I can still have my tree and I can still watch all my Christmas movies and bake way too many mm-hmm. cookies and eat them all myself and keep listening <laughs> to it's not Christmas till somebody cries like it right. it will be okay as long as nobody I know gets sick so that's kind of like my vibe right now um I this is this has been a long year for all of us. Um and you know, um I've I've started um a new job at a, a a different school um where I do have to be on the campus. So that is adding a a little extra level of fun to everything, but um just trying to just trying to get through everything with as much health and sanity as possible, which brings mm-hmm. me to the comic book I read this week. Um I read a book that came out a few years ago. It's called the tea dragon society Mm -hmm. by Katie O'Neill who's a new Zealand comic artist. And I always have a fond spot, fond spot in my heart for Kiwis because um, one of my best friends is from uh, that particular archipelago of islands. So, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, did not know that fun fact about the author till I finished the book, but uh, this was a, A lovely short story to just spend some time in. Everything is super low stakes. The art is very like a mix between like painterly and cutesy. And it's very clearly manga inspired in terms of like how characters react with certain like facial tick tropes, I guess. Like like Senpai noticed me situation where like the cheeks get all like (laughs) glowy and there's like sparkles everywhere. Stuff like that where if you've read... Um, certain kinds of manga a few times, you start to recognize them and you're like, haha, ha, I, I see your influences. So the, if we, if we could give the tea dragon society a plot, it would be young girl in slightly fantastical land, stumbles upon a tea dragon, returns it to its owner and decides to learn about tea dragons. Like everything is super low stakes. It's a very chill book. So a tea dragon is a little dragon the size of, like, a medium-sized dog or maybe a large cat. And they grow. I'm trying to find references for all our animal lovers out there. (laughs) 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 So they have, like, either little antlers or, like, little tufts of fur on their heads. And little tea plants grow out of these. So Mm -hmm. the dragons are named after different types of tea. And they form these strong bonds with their caretakers. So the reason tea dragon tea is so special and hard to cultivate is because if the dragon like emotionally connects with you, it will begin to store memories of your pleasant times together in its tea. So when you actually brew the tea, you are able to either relive your own memories or share your memories with another person through drinking the tea. So, which is I thought was very lovely and clever. So, like, um, this, this book was only, like, 60 pages long, and it's divided by seasons, like spring, summer, fall, mm-hmm. winter. Okay. And, okay. Um, so, and And, like, if this book had a theme, it would be that craftsmanship takes time and is worth taking that time. So, like, the pacing in this book was, like I said, very chill, very relaxing, because it's not, like... Like, this isn't like a Rocky training montage where within five minutes, the hero knows, has like total mastery of the thing. This is like, oh, like learning how to care for another creature and learning centuries old techniques for creating things. It does take time. And that endeavor is a worthy one. And to get all like philosophical about it, the journey itself is the destination. So (laughs) 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 it was a really lovely book to read Mm -hmm. um i think this year in particular when everyone does kind of feel like they're on some kind of hamster wheel or like stuck in stasis i think this was a lovely reminder that even if nothing's really going on you can still slowly make progress in small areas and those things are worth celebrating also yeah So, so if you are if you are in need of a a moment of 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 quietude and you enjoy whimsical things like the tea dragon concept i've just described um Mm -hmm. and especially if you're a fan of lgbtqia plus stories uh this is a definite winner um i would consider it all ages um and i learned after i read it this actually a trilogy so there's more that i could read also you can get plushies of the tea dragons that they're so cute
2: so (laughs) i thought you were about to say this is actually a true story and i was like what the hell (laughs) i was like what a twist (laughs)
1: Nick, i'm pretty sure i think if cheat dragons were real we would have seen it on the news by now
0: (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i think i think kate also read this kate lamphere um in another week um which i think is uh like that two solid recommendations so i think everyone should check this out if you haven't already it
1: makes sense um, to me that that Kate would also have read this. I feel like yeah. she and I align on a lot of like quiet whimsical stories.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, Nick, uh, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been?
2: Uh I mean uh I want to thank the two of you you've definitely given me a couple things to speak to that I wasn't originally planning to so um I guess that's your fault I guess uh <laughs> first off Mike uh I I it's great to hear about all of the merch that's really exciting I think we are making baby steps towards the full checklist of YouTube influencer so I think that yes. that's, that's really exciting <laughs> Um, See, the
0: thing is, phase phase three for I Read Comic Books is that I, I start to offer a subscribe to this private $15 a day podcast <laughs> so that you <laughs> can also have a successful podcast. Uh, we're not yeah. there yet, but we're getting there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, and and I mean, there was a real graphic image when you said that it had the logo and it's embroidered in your chest and my brain automatically went to some really you know, disturbing like body horror elements Nick, with a no. IRCB oh, logo good. in it. But um, Merry um, <laughs> happy holidays, everyone! Happy wow. holidays, everyone! Um, and then uh, yeah, uh, Kara led in with a uh, "Last Christmas," and then I thought everything was sort of a scathing rebuke of the song by Wham. So I just my brain couldn't <laughs> couldn't unhinge from that idea that I was like. I kind of like that song. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, <laughs> these are the things I thought about, I guess, while everyone else was sharing things. Um, so yeah, things things have been okay, I guess. Who really knows what's going on these days? Um, so it's really good to sort of just focus on reading things that are real solid escapism, which is why I read uh, the entire trade of Alien, the original screenplay, because... <laughs> why not read something about a silent killer that roams a small claustrophobic space that you're not allowed to leave out of the fear of, um, being attacked. And, um, Mm. why not?
1: I don't like it.
2: Uh, and you're nowhere near safety and won't be for years. Uh, so I really went out on a limb and just tried to expand my horizons. So, yeah. Um, so this is by written by Dan O'Bannon. The original screenplay was Cristiano Sycsis wrote the script. Um, I hadn't heard of Sycsis before, but apparently he's the co-founder of the why not? Nick, let's just butcher all sorts of names here. Uh, the co-founder of the Casa dos Quadrinos School of Visual Arts in Brazil. Um, the artist is, oh my goodness, Guilherme Balbi. Sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. Balbi drew the pencils on the comic book prequel of Predators, so I suppose that that's fitting. Uh, Candace Hahn did the colors. Uh, this book was kind of a surprise because I originally had the fifth issue selected as my pick of the week. Um, but then when I finished issue four, uh, Comixology went, oh, do you want to read issue five? And I'm like, well, I would, but it's not out for a week. And then it was like, no, it came out last week. So um, just a little tip for everybody out there. If you're relying on like comic book release dates, double check all of them, because I think mm-hmm. thanks to to this year, a lot of people are working with old slash bad data. So just just an idea. Um, so I just went and got the fifth one. Uh, some people might remember that Dark Horse from late 2018 to late 2019, they put out a miniseries titled Alien 3, the unproduced screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, which was based on the script by William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer. It was a big, 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 big deal. And Johnny Christmas scripted and drew that as a comic. And it was a real solid departure from the 1992 film, uh, for better and for worse, to be sure. Uh, It was definitely not something I would liken to something I would see as a David Fincher sort of movie. Um, So... That said, I think this is a real. People who liked the Alien 3 book might not really enjoy this. Like, the Alien 3 was a real departure. This book is prefaced with this statement, which I found kind of interesting. It says, this is an adaptation of Dan O'Bannon's original 1976 screenplay. I think Alien would come out three years later, 79. Um, Mm -hmm. It's originally titled Star Beast. The visuals and design of the ships and the Alien are based on descriptions in the screenplay, which was written before the involvement of H.R. Giger, Mobius, or Ron Cobb. Giger, of course, as some people know, I was going to say most, that's not fair um, basically designed the, the, you know, the alien, the super iconic alien. Um, and so I thought that was kind of interesting. I felt like the book was sort of like apologizing in advance, like, Hey, uh, this was written before all these, the big famous people got involved. So it might (laughs) not, you know, it might not really be like the alien you love and know. And so I was like, Oh, this is going to be interesting. And then I read the book and I'm like, it feels like the original script was mostly spot on and not to be super cynical. I know I'm regularly pretty cynical, but when you look at the alien design, right. And when you look at some of the other designs in this book, it's like, can you really unlearn what you already know? Right. Like these people all knew what the alien looked like. And you can like try as a thought exercise to unthink that, or otherwise you could like, try to induce memory loss via blunt force trauma. I guess you what? you can you you could I guess what? relearn it again if you I, I'm not advocating for like re-experiencing memories through 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 blunt force trauma. I'm just saying that it's a possibility, I think. Um anyway, like super skeptical about this because the alien still really looks like the alien. So I don't know if Dan O'Bannon's script was that good Um, but yeah. So people who are looking for a real departure with this book, it's not, it's not a real departure at all. If you wanted the silver lining, I guess you would say Dan O'Bannon's original script was pretty solid and nothing really had to happen with it. Um, there's one major twist from the film, uh, that goes completely omitted from the screenplay that's probably about as M night Shyamalan as it gets um, <laughs> is there's okay. one major okay. twist missing, but beyond well, that,
0: not spoiling it. thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it's a pretty, um, you know, color by number sort of thing. They figured out a formula a year or two ago. They're just going to do it again. Um, And you can't blame Dark Horse, much like with Star Wars back in 2014, 2015. Uh, Marvel is knocking at the door and threatening to grab all of its toys and go home and uh, not share them. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't blame Dark Horse for not really trying to do anything overly ambitious because the property is reverting to Marvel within a year. So...
1: it. Well, kind of building off of that, because uh, don't some companies, I forget if it's Image or IDW, are allowed to print, like, Marvel archival stuff? Did I make that up? So is Dark Horse able to do, like, archival Star Wars stuff?
2: So I I think you're definitely right in terms of IDW doing archive. And obviously they've got some sort of deal with Marvel anyway, because they're allowed to do some Star Wars stuff, right? Like Star Wars Adventures, that's technically an IDW series. yeah. Um, yeah. So they do have IDW has a an arrangement with Disney. It would appear. Yeah. Um as for printing like so you're you're asking like will Dark Horse be able to print their old alien stuff, right? Um I can tell you right now that in terms of the star Wars situation, Marvel is just repackaging and rebranding and then putting out the dark horse stuff as their own. So that's how they're currently handling the situation. I'm just sort of always looking at the star Wars model as kind of like the guidepost for what I think is going to happen with the alien
0: franchise. Right. So, Uh, and I don't know if we've seen any reprints of like the Conan stuff. Um, uh, or any other licenses that reverted back to Marvel so I think we're yeah I, it's still kind of up in the air as to how they're going to approach things that aren't Star Wars but I think Nick's right um, that we can probably look at the Star Wars model as the basis for how they'll do things because I'm, but I'm sure that the licensing is different with Star Wars versus Dark Horse or I guess I don't know Fox is owned by Disney so nothing matters anymore I don't know <laughs> never mind me uh, Anyways, we got to <laughs> keep moving. Um, I, I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, this past week has been wild. I feel like I've needed to sleep for five days. Uh, and then I did sleep for a very long time last night. So now I feel great. I'm just ready to get into the work week where I'm sure all of my energy will be drained yet again. Um, wow. But I did read a ton of comics because we had a mini it always happens that whenever we do mini weeks like last week, I end up reading way more comics than I normally would. And it's not like I'm filling up that time that we would normally record with with reading comics. But instead, I just happen to read a lot. So, you know, I got caught up on die. I got, uh, you know, I read like up almost 40 chapters of Chainsaw Man um, uh, on the Shonen Jump app, maybe like 20 or so. But uh, yeah, I've. Uh, so, I this, but this week, the things I want to talk about, I read Far Sector number eight and nine. This is N.K. Jemison with Jamal Campbell on art. Um, this is, uh, if you haven't been reading Far Sector, I highly recommend you stop whatever you're doing, sit down and say, you know what, I don't know anything about Green Lantern. I'm going to read a Green Lantern comic because this is the book for you. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the show before. Far Sector was a book that I didn't know that I needed. Paul recommended it to me and I fell in love with it. And I kept screaming and yelling and telling Kelly, look at how pretty this page is. And she would go, yeah, it is pretty or what else and I was, it's pretty um because I didn't have the words to describe how wonderful this book is. Um but as this series has gone on, I think NK Jemisin has done a fantastic job of exploring the like very direct parallels between police brutality and state authority um and federal authority over the people that are that live in a society um and a big change slash I guess new mystery has un- uh, revealed itself in the book that I'm really excited to see her wrap up in the next three issues. This Is a 12 issue maxi series. Um, all I want to say is that if if DC keeps delivering series like this in Mister Miracle and you know these short lived 12 issue series, like you've got my money every single time. I don't want to read an ongoing. I just want to read little chunks and pieces of stories. I that's just me. But Far Sector is perfect. Everyone should be reading it um the other book i want to talk about is uh cosplayers this is a book we read for the uh discord book club that we do every other week so if you're not on the discord uh you should jump on that also shout outs to the people listening live on the discord as we record this you guys are fantastic um i picked this book as part of the book club uh this is by dash shaw and it's a collection of mini stories that to me feels like ghost world done in a modern era um it's got a lot of commentary the main characters are kind of flat in personality but that's there, in order for you to kind of under like put yourself in their place um in my opinion, uh, it follows these two women who are, one's a photographer, one's a cosplayer, and they take a gap year between high school and college in order to meet up and make YouTube videos. But also this series kind of explores the idea of going to comic book conventions, dealing with the people, particularly the men at comic book conventions, and um, just the issues that arise in like the mid to like early or 2010s. Um, this book came out in 2017, so or 2014, so it kind of focuses on that era of like YouTube and, and comic conventions yeah i i really love this book Uh, a lot of people in the discord did not like this book so like fingers (laughs) you guys uh but i feel like shaw really nailed that feeling of going to conventions in that time um the kind of people that you would see especially at small conventions the conversations you would have with people who are just kind of awkward but everybody's kind of awkward at cons when you're like hey i really like you know bleach let's talk about bleach and you're like we both really like bleach and then you realize there's nothing else to talk about so you kind of just like Filled in time with weird things that come to your head. Um, but nonetheless, I think the thing that we came to uh, the conclusion of was that we all miss comic conventions like a lot. We all miss that chaotic everything that makes you feel uncomfortable, but also very excited at the same time it can be super draining, but it also be, can be really invigorating. Um, and yeah, I I really like this book. I, I picked it up a long time ago and just never read it. And actually sitting down to read it and talk about it with people, I was like, this book was fantastic. And everyone else just was like, Mike, this book well, was dumb. <laughs> you, you had a very different takeaway. Like my takeaway was these two protagonists belong in jail. Yeah, I mean, the, but the but here's the problem though. It's like it, it's a book based in reality, but there is some like extremism that happens. Like real people have oh, gone it gets out, out and done there. It. It, well, like they there's a, there are scenes where like they're they're filming clips for this YouTube series where the, uh, the cosplayer character, she's going out on dates with people and they're filming it like long distance away. And it's it's cringe stuff that you would expect <laughs> from YouTube at the time. Um, so I didn't feel like it was that much of a stretch. Like there are people on YouTube being doing much more heinous shit today than what was portrayed in this comic book. So I didn't really feel like it was that far of a stretch or that strange for these characters to be doing it. Because guess what?
2: This is fiction. <laughs> um so you yeah.
0: i don't know that's that's just me that's just me it, it was um, it was engaging it really
2: was if anything else like it's it's if nothing else i think everyone had a reaction to it it wasn't like anybody finished it and went oh that was a book right like everybody came yeah, away yeah. and was like these people are going to burn in hell or <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's you not like
0: it didn't incite feelings in people because True. it certainly did. I mean, you don't have to tell stories about people doing good or being good or learning from their mistakes because, to me, like this is a Fantagraphics book, and I think we talked about it in the book club that you know Fantagraphics has is in this weird position where they can tell stories about like assholish characters, people behaving or characters. badly, yeah. yeah, and people behaving yeah. badly. So, again, I I like this, and it's not perfect, but. To me, like not looking at the characters and looking what the setting was of the story, um, really made me yearn for comic conventions and just that scene again. Um, they did nail I, the
2: cringe. the The, the cringe yeah. is strong with this one. <laughs> yeah, the cringe was real. No. Anyways,
0: so yeah, I read that as well. Um, if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. It's on. It's on Comicsology Unlimited, I think, and uh, Hoopla. But um, yeah, the one last thing I want to talk about uh, before we move into our comic picks is I got to give my One Piece update. So Xander. Both- <laughs> I am on
1: chapter 990 of One
0: Piece. 997 just dropped on November 29th, so we're very close to chapter 1000. Probably going to read like three more chapters this week, maybe four, but i really want to get into chapter 1000 with like five chapters or three or four chapters or something like that just so i'm like on a good pace and a good speed to get caught up to 1000 and then after that we're going to be p- picking some other big series to read on the discord um and i know we talk about the discord a lot but we're doing we, we hang out there all the time so it's like get on there folks but yeah we're going also to read like something 20, i'm sorry mike go ahead that we're going to read something big after this uh i don't know it's probably going to be like demon slayer or uh something that's probably like two or three hundred chapters just as a group and try to do like some sort of regular cadence of you know make sure you read 10 chapters this week or 20 chapters or something um so if you're if you're interested in just catching up on manga if you've got two bucks a month and you want to dive in shonen jump apps where it's at that's how i've read all of one piece it's how i've been reading all my manga um and yeah, so that's that's my update there. Uh, Nick, did you want to jump in with something before we move on? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, how how long is a chapter again? Like twenty pages? So it depends on the book. Anywhere between fourteen and twenty pages. But one piece is like roughly yeah. twenty pages. One piece, yeah, it's about eighteen to twenty-two pages a chapter. So you've so it's, read
2: it's... you've read nearly twenty thousand pages of yeah. One Piece. That's wild that's yeah, it it's is so crazy <laughs> this is this is
1: mike's dedication to a craft that takes a long time to get through chipping away from it season by season day by day it's
0: yeah, just wild this yeah. is your
1: tea dragon mike
0: <laughs> this is yeah this is my tea dragon <laughs> um well yeah let's let's move on let's talk about comic books that are coming out very soon comic books are dropping on december 9th 2020 what are you both looking forward to whether it comes out this week or in the near future um let's start with you kara
1: so um two things one norse mythology number three um dark horse by neil gaiman and p craig russell um so i sort of without planning it went on a neil gaiman kick earlier this year and i think his version of norse mythology is just chef's kiss it's so good each chapter is a totally different um, like story from Norse mythology, but the way he tells the stories, like when you reach the end of the book, you realize you have been reading a narrative that all ties together, even though it doesn't feel like it at the time. Like it feels like you're reading little one shots, but then as you get deeper into it, you realize that this is all connected and, um, so I think he did a really, really good job of it, and it's one of those books where, when you're reading it, at least for me, I was like, "Oh, totally sucked in." When it ended, I had to like kind of look up and blink and be like, "Where am I? <laughs> what year is it?" So
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got the Rip Van I, I Winkle do- beard going on, and- <laughs> you know. So I really love that feeling, though. So I've been asleep I, I totally for 70 years, right? Yeah.
1: So, so um, <laughs> didn't realize it was being made into a comic book. So. Uh not having read the first two issues, I assume it's going to be kind of like each issue is a different chapter from the book, or at least that's how that's how I would do it if I was in charge of this book. So uh-huh. <laughs> um, but uh, again, like if if they're just adapting Gaiman's writing or if he wrote a new version for the comic either way, like it will it will be great the other pick coming out this week is red Sonia: the price of blood number one uh by Ooh. luke lieberman and art from walter giovanni um giovanni did the art on the gail simone run of red Sonia, and i remember not hating that art <laughs> so, um,
2: <laughs> which for red Sonia books is probably about as as high praise as you can probably get so
1: Right, I knew one of you was going to say something like, "Kara, this feels like a weird pick for you. Isn't Red Sonia the warrior person in the bikini with the boobs that definitely don't fit in the chainmail bikini?" And I would say, mm-hmm. "Yes, but um sometimes you have to enjoy the scraps that the the pulps over at Dynamite throw you. Um it's not it's not a, a like the Red Sonia character uh so it's part. So she's at some point either started out or became part of the Cone and the Barbarian universe. I, I I don't I don't know that much about it to be honest. I know enough about it mm-hmm. to know that I think she's awesome. But of course, because her costume is chain metal bikini over boobs that literally would not fit in that bikini or be supported by it in any way. Like mm-hmm. anyway, um. So like everything about her is. She's she's definitely existing to fill some kind of male fetish about powerful women who are also sexually objectified. But some of her stories mm-hmm. are actually pretty cool. So I am always willing to try a new mini series because not all of them are complete garbage. <laughs> so- right.
0: i was just listening to a show the other day uh, a podcast uh the other day and they were talking about red sonya and how like there have been some really really good runs of that series despite this like origin of this character being this this like male gazey kind of like power fantasy thing that exists so i mean i totally am on board for that if at least trying it right because you never know unless you try it
1: right so this this new um miniseries the price of blood it's like looking back at her early days and she's about to be executed and how did she get here and i'm like okay (laughs) so we know it's gonna be like she did something crazy and now the authorities have trapped her and oh no is she gonna survive but we already know she will because it's a prequel so i'm like okay Mm -hmm. i am in a place where i am all about predictable tropes give me a hallmark movie where i know (laughs) that the pretty people are going to end up together and everything is heteronormatively wonderful like i'm just in a zone (laughs) where i need things to be predictable in my media because real life is not that thing right now yeah so uh, so like you know i'm already i already know what i'm getting into with this red sonia book so i figure um why not i will say one of the most hilarious slash awful things about Red Sonia is also the thing that is hilarious slash awful about Power Girl at DC Comics in that Mm -hmm. every few issues, every new miniseries or so, there's always one panel dedicated to explaining why she's dressed the way she is and why it makes sense in the context of that world.
2: (laughs) So, <laughs> like, someone has to engage in apologetics eventually regarding me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, Red Sonia's usually is a version of, oh, but it's easier to move if I'm wearing no clothes.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't like, understand. This makes sense. Trust me yeah you can say that to the
0: sun knight who's just got the you know full metal everything and the big huge thing and you know giant (laughs) shield but whatever
2: um my two favorites
1: for power girl while we're on this subject really quick um there's one where which is pretty consistent across a lot of female characters in dc i feel like i've read this a few times where she's like well if they're looking at my boobs they're not seeing my fist heading towards their face oh my
0: lord (laughs) like
1: um (laughs) And the other it's one like, who wrote this oh my god no speaking of who wrote it there was another story like i think back in the 90s or early 2000s where someone was asking power girl like you know why is there that hole on your chest in your outfit and it was some bullshit about how you know she wasn't really a kryptonian so she can't wear the sigil of the house of l oh, so she
0: decided my. to wear nothing so instead. might as well
2: do this
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> Let's we're moving it's on, so, Kara. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, well, that being said, Nick, what is your pick this week? <laughs> yeah, don't.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think mine's going to be anywhere as exciting as all of this. I'm afraid, mm-hmm. but um, that's fine. So um, I'm going with the comic book history of animation number one. So what did I say? Um, so this is written by Fred Van Lente. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff, but perhaps he's best known, or maybe I'm just biased, for um, biased. Archer and Armstrong. Uh, Incredible Hercules, which I know Mike really likes, if I remember correctly. Yes. yes. And Ivar Timewalker. Mm-hmm. And the art is by Ryan Dunlavy, who has largely worked with... Um, Fred Van Lenti from a lot of his things including the comic book history of comics, action philosophers, uh and dark rain modoc which he did not do with Van Lenty, I think. Um so this is quote uh the team behind IDW's comic book history of comics returns with a brand new series from ardman to zoetrope, disney to miyazaki, uh hanna barbera to pixar and everything in between. It's the perfect companion piece to CBHOC, I assume that's comic book history of comics. Um, the comic book history of animation focuses on the filmmakers and beloved characters of the past century and a half and is essential for fans of the medium and to newbies alike. Um, totally on board with this just because I think it's so hard to nail these kind of ed- edutainment edutainment comics so that they're both interesting and engaging without just being way too much of an info dump. Like I feel with way too many of these that I read that I don't enjoy, you can tell the author is just trying to cram too much Information in, right. um, but I really enjoyed the comic book history of comics. I thought that that was just a perfect, um, sort of pairing of of being informational and interesting without just going overboard. And thankfully, like Van Lente has spent so much time in comics that he understands that the, um, you know, the art should you know supplement the writing and not just um just mirror, which I think. With a lot of these sort of edutainment kind of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, fill you in on something. Um, There's a real redundancy between the art and the the prose. So, yeah. yeah. So
1: it's just like the live action Beauty and the Beast where the songs they added in were not actually moving the story forward and were therefore a waste (laughs) of all of our time.
2: (laughs) I mean, I was. I, I saved that analogy and I was just like, you know what? We'll roll this out if we need to. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> took the words right well, out this, of my mouth. Kara.
0: This, this looks <laughs> exciting. If only because I've, I've read like two issues of action philosophers and an issue of the comic book history of comics. Um, uh, and they're good. They're just a lot. They are like, pretty like hefty books in terms of just everything they you know dump information on but it isn't an info dump it's just a lot of information to take in regardless um so to see this one of animation i think especially given the, the, the 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 growth of animation i think especially in um like adult animation and as well as just like things like steven universe and a lot of other things that have really shown people that animation can do a lot of different things compared to what we've seen over the last 30 or 40 years it'll be really cool to see how van lenti and stuff approach this because i think i've seen different like small documentaries about animation and stuff but to see it turn into a comic book is really exciting because it's a mashing of some of the greatest things in the world animation and comic books come on i mean yeah I i think it's gonna hit on a whole lot of topics but honestly
2: if it doesn't and it just becomes a discussion of why like cars is disturbing in a weird universe if you really start to think about it um, (laughs) that'd be fine too if it just turns into that that'd be totally okay yeah yeah cars Uh, is fucked up cars is weird man
1: okay but now I'm just thinking about how the first cars movie makes me cry consistently every time okay yeah I don't need these feelings right now Nick I didn't ask for them (laughs)
0: well you know we could talk about that more in the break but uh bef- before we get to that uh i want to just plug my my pick for this week which is sword number 1 this is probably the most obvious pick out there. This is Al Ewing Valero uh, Skitty. Uh, I don't care what this is. Just let me read it. That's all that it comes down to. Um, sword to me, for those of you who don't know, uh, I guess sword was a, a creation out of Joss Whedon's astonishing X-Men, which was like the opposite or these the other side of shield. They patrolled the outside of Earth to make sure that everything was fine to keep all of the cosmic foes at bay to a certain extent. Um And it's introduced one of the coolest characters ever, Agent Abigail Brand. And shit gets really, really fun. Uh, I trust Al Ewing at this point with anything, not to mention um, Skitty's art. Uh, This book's going to be fantastic. And I'm so very, very excited to have another Al Ewing book that I can read every month that's going to be just, I'm certain, very, very good. um, Because sword is a wonderful, wonderful concept. And I, I can't wait to see how Ewing writes Abigail Brand in this book. So... Uh, yeah everyone uh, everyone should pick this book up because it's gonna be a lot of fun because it's not exactly an x-men book but it's very much an x-men book Uh, that's the only way i can describe it Um, so yeah i guess let's let's take a quick break when we come back we are going to be talking about comic book cliffhangers that were never addressed or series that just never finished so we're going to be just digging into a bunch of stuff and kind of complaining but also talking about you know what books we'd like to see picked up or if there's potential for these books to continue again in some light. So we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are talking about cliffhangers for comics that were never addressed or series that were never finished. Myself, Karen and Nick we have a lot of things to say. I know that's not grammatically correct, but this is speech. <laughs> um, so I guess before we get started, you know, like I, I think Nick, myself, we've got a bunch of ideas. Kara told us before we started recording, she just wanted to rant about DC. So I'm really curious as to what that means. But I think the the thing here that we want to talk about today is, you know, the, the kind of sadness that we feel as comic book readers when a series that we really like or a book that maybe we come to late is we find out didn't come to a natural conclusion or wasn't even ended or wasn't even rushed to finish uh, i do have one example where something was kind of rushed to finish but i'll explain why that that's on this list um, but there are a lot of books out there that i think we that are really really good and have a lot of potential um, and they just kind of abruptly end for reasons that are you know numerous there, there are tons of reasons why a book will come to an end like that so i guess just to jump right into it i i do want to talk about a book that i think we read as part of some book club at some point you know all the days in book club blend together um but i read this book called flavor by joseph keating and wook jin clark uh which is quote within a strange walled city an unlicensed chef discovers a mystery that threatens to end it it all which i'm guessing the city and the world um and i i really like this book but it just kind of ends. It's a six issue book and image keeps marketing in it as like a graphic novel, but it clearly has like an ending. That's like, find out next week. What happens after this big cliffhanger? <laughs> oh, and they no. just tried to pivot. it the book just ends and i'm so heartbroken because i was super sad to know that there wasn't any more of this story behind the six six issues um and it definitely seems like one of those books that was canceled versus a book that kind of came to a rushed end um Mm -hmm. where sometimes you'll see like a series that goes oh we didn't do well in the first three issues and so they try to wrap the book up really quickly even if it feels kind of forced at least we get to an ending ending um but yeah flavor was one of those books it just literally just abruptly ends at the end of the volume and i'm so mad that people and like lists online people must not have read this fucking book um they keep recommending it. And it's like oh this is a really good OGN, and i'm like no it fucking isn't You've <laughs> <laughs> <lied> to me. <laughs> um, you so just I, jogged- this, is, this is kind of where i'm at with this go ahead kara um
1: you have jogged my memory for a comic series that i felt similar about um do you guys remember from under mountains yeah from like oh four- yeah yeah from like four years ago um Claire Gibson uh Marion Churchland and Sloan Long and it I remember reading this book getting so into the world building and like all the different hints they were dropping to like craft a story that was supposed to go on I think way more than six issues and then six issues was all they got they got like one complete trade Mm -hmm, and that was mm -hmm. all she wrote so uh like that is definitely a series that comes to mind as why wouldn't there be more? but this is you know I'm not gonna get into how the comic industry is set up so that you have to find your readers within the first issue, but yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: but yeah no this- I think I, this is one of those books that I think was picked as like a Goodreads book of the month at some point, mm-hmm. and I remember reading it and just feeling like, oh, it just ends. Like There's yep. no ending. It, the book just kind of abruptly yep. stops, and it's a super bummer.
1: From Under Mountains.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Nick? What, what's one of your books? I mean, we'll, we'll kind of jump around here, but then we can ask some bigger questions once we get some of these things off our chests. Sure. Um, I
2: mean, just to touch on what you were, what the two of you were saying earlier, it's, it's so funny when these publishers just try to pivot a book into OGN, and they're like, oh, it's such a good self-contained OGN, and I'm like... <laughs> look on the last single issue i own it says series x will return in 20 whatever (laughs) um 20 xx now it's a mega man game um sorry yeah that's a deep cut um so (laughs) yeah uh it's just wild it's like literally i have proof that this was not your intent you just you just went and pivoted
0: it whatever um But it would be nice if they took those books and then gave the creators like a chance to write a little follow up ending before they packaged it as an OGR or like a graphic or like a collected edition, you know, that would at least be something. But we don't ever see that. And
2: I think a lot of the reasons that we I mean, I, I think the reason in some ways that we have this episode topic to work with is just not to make this big picture. But if you want to talk about like modern trends and expectations for media, I think These days, there's a real, and I think the internet and internet fan bases are to thank for this, uh, for better and for worse, is that if you don't let things get natural closure anymore, or you don't let things have a sense of finality, um, or you have a final season, or you have a standalone movie that follows it, um, you're going to have to come to terms with that fan base that due to the internet is now super vocal and, um, won't leave you alone. Right. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the, and with the E Netflix fan base is still out there trying to make things happen. Um, to say the least.
1: You won't know Uh, until you try.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) that and the, um, there will be a
1: Firefly reboot. No. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, But in 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 that vein, I think I think what's really weird now is I almost wish sometimes that some of my books would just they would be like, you know what, it got canceled. It ended because I feel like these days there are just so many books where your book just ends up in a weird limbo state. Like I would almost right, prefer right. just say my book is canceled and it got canceled at a weird point and we're never going to know what happens. Just just do that so I can have closure because especially with image books and like I get it, creators are busy, image lets you come back to a book if and when you can, that works out just fine. Just books end up in this state. and And if you're lucky, the creators on the book will maybe come on Twitter and be like, hey, You know, I'm really busy with Project X. Artist is really busy with Project Y. We're hoping to maybe return to this within the next two or two and a half years. Mm -hmm. You get some perspective and you feel a little bit better about it. But sometimes, like, um, Dying in the Dead for me would would definitely be, I know I bring up this book (laughs) a lot, but for me, it's not even like, is this the best Hickman book that we never really got to end? Um, Or is this the best independent original creation Hickman book? For me, it might be the best Hickman book, period. And I know that that's that's saying a lot because –
0: that's bias, Nick. You you have to admit your bias right now. You love Ryan Bodenheim. Just get over it. Okay, oh, I mean, mean. and I was getting there,
2: Mike. I was getting there. I was getting there. Like I really love Ryan Bodenheim. I think his art is absolutely fantastic. Michael Garland does some really great art, and for me, it's kind of it really it rides the line with Hickman of being interesting and creative and involving history and conspiracies without well and truly. F- Falling off the rails and getting really wild, like some of this stuff does. And sure, sure. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this book? Um, uh, I, it, you know, they, they put out three issues in 2015, they put out three issues in 2017. We haven't seen anything since. Um, yeah. and with Hickman, there's a chance he might return to this at some point. But again, it's, it's no different than a lot of these other, um, you know, at least with Image, you know that there's maybe a chance that they'll return to a book versus like some of these other independent publishers where you're like, I have no idea if we're ever going to get volume number two. So,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like I approached this topic assignment very differently from the two of you, because okay. when I first saw like, oh, cliffhangers and unresolved stuff, uh, I did default to thinking about Marvel and DC. And I was like, mm-hmm. but. That's a serialized, that's serialized universes. The books will never end. The characters will keep having stories. So like I was thinking of like unresolved things or cliffhangers in terms of like those vast universes. Because even if a book is canceled, you're still going to see those characters in another book. It might take a decade or two, but
2: they'll come back. right gotta find those they will go back to the well yes grant morrison will always find a way to involve some d-list character like grant morrison dredging up the d-list yeah so like
1: you know so thinking of it in terms of the comics that you know the majority of american comic book readers do read of these these big two superhero comics like you will continue to see these characters in different formats and you know Mm -hmm. i i always like the 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 C list or D list characters more than the A list characters because those are the characters that actually get character development because heaven forbid right. we r- mess with the IP
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um so when I was saying before we started this show like I really just want to yell about DC you guys um it's because I have a very specific and particular grievance with DC because um I uh, this was kind of like the first time that i really grasped that fans are generally uh collectively way more involved and motivated to know like character arcs and character canon than perhaps sometimes the publishers are like i know there's somebody at marvel and somebody at dc who are like in charge of the making sure that making sure the timelines are not too wonky and stuff like that but you know they're human they're not perfect stuff gets by and i think for these like less important quote-unquote characters it's easier to just be like well that story was like 20 years ago nobody's gonna remember that but we
0: do (laughs) have the internet it doesn't forget so especially with the internet nowadays yeah
1: right so i think my most like oh this like it's unresolved to me is still (laughs) so sorry for how niche this is about to get but please you may you may recall that um my my relationship problems with dc started around final crisis where i was just like go jump off a cliff why why am i buying any of this but mm-hmm. um where it really started was in Countdown to Final Crisis, which was a weekly series that was like, there was another crisis. And at this point, there had been a crisis happening at DC for like two years. And I was the sap <laughs> who was buying all of the books because I wanted sure. to know everything. And then they rebooted everything with New 52 and I gave up. But um, during Countdown, there was this whole subplot. We need to go further back. Um, I <laughs> love... <laughs> I love Wally West The Flash so much, specifically the Justice League animated version. Like some Mm -hmm. girls get crushes on pop stars in high school. My crush was Wally West in Justice League. So Mm -hmm. getting into comics for me involved some like digging around in The Flash stuff and having very firm opinions about how much Barry Allen sucks and like learning about Flash's (laughs) the Flash's <laughs> rogues gallery of all these villains, which most of the Flash's villains are like lost boys, like they're sure. the guys that never like they, yeah, they they fight, they 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 steal stuff and jump like, out
2: of mirrors.
1: Right, but in general their crimes tend to be like more goofy and petty and just like they just don't want to follow the rules of society. And this is not to excuse their criminal behavior, but they're much less evil than Batman's villains
2: right. and so much like, less I'm
0: going to steal the minute hand off of every clock in the city. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: given 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 their power sets, you like know, they're not exactly equipped for massive so... heinous things. Yes.
1: Right. So so the the rogues are interesting because the over time, the different flashes interacted with the rogues in different ways. Like Barry Allen was definitely the cop. He was like, you're a bad guy and you're going to jail. And Wally was much more likely to be like, hey, man, are you okay? Like, can I get you a coffee? Like, do you need help? Let me get you some rehab. And so like some of the rogues actually rehabilitated when Wally was the flash because he was Mm -hmm. much more compassionate in his crime fighting approach. Um, And then of course everything got crazy and the rogues actually like killed a kid flash and like things were really dark again. But for a while things were on sort of a trajectory where you were like, huh, okay, they've got kind of like a like a back and forth going, but like no one ever really gets hurt until all of a sudden people did. So this Kid Flash died and two of the rogues, Pied Piper and Trickster were on the run and this was happening kind of during countdown. So like flash and some other heroes were trying to find these two rogues who actually didn't do anything. It was like the other rogues who had killed this kid flash. It was this whole thing. So trickster and Pied Piper were on the run together. And in the most fanfic tropey of fanfic tropiness, they got handcuffed together and they couldn't unlock the handcuffs. (laughs) So, and piper is canonly gay so a lot of this book was trickster making some really just did not age well jokes about how like piper was gay and like don't come near me and don't touch me which of course lit up a certain corner of the internet that i found very quickly that was like oh, they're gay, they're handcuffed together they're gonna fall in love this is the trope so um and so like <laughs> bad yeah so, I kept buying Countdown every week because like Piper and Trickster were having good chemistry together and yes Trickster was being a slightly homophobic asshole but as they got like closer and closer to the end of Countdown I was like oh shit maybe they're actually going to do this and then they're like in a train car together like continuing their like running away from the authorities thing and trickster like turns to piper and he just makes this terrible joke about how pipers turned him hobosexual which is just bad on multiple levels but it was basically him saying i'm gay for you and then they look like they're about to like freak out and resolve their their tension and fucking deadshot like comes through the top of the train and like shoots trickster in the head now that is enough like that that's kill your gaze right there But the part that, uh, again, like, makes me mad and makes me feel like it's an unresolved cliffhanger, which, again, was, I guess, slightly wiped clean when DC rebooted the universe, like, a year later anyways. But the the corner of the internet that was like, oh, they're going to fall in love, like, was digging really deep into Trickster and Piper character backstory. Like, I knew everything about these characters from... Mm -hmm from this corner of the internet and a crucial thing that makes this whole thing nonsensical (laughs) that you guys are going to laugh at is that trickster has actually been to hell before and escaped hell by outwitting Satan. So (laughs) (laughs) he should not have remained dead because canonly he's gotten out of that shit before. So (laughs) like, all right so trickster dying and not coming back and resolving his relationship tension with piper and maybe like having them both be happy because they were both the like the more reformed of the rogues and like trickster should have come back from hell so there's so much fan fiction about how he gets out of hell the second time because why the fuck would you have that be canon and then ignore it for one of your biggest plot points of one of your biggest series of the year and that's why i'm mad at dc
0: understandable Forever. understandable. That, this is that that's that's insane all right this, that is a genuine unresolved like cliffhanger thing i totally <laughs> understand so that
1: 10 years ago i'm still furious
0: I, I i yeah you know and i just want to shout out danny mentioned while you were you were on your 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 soapbox here uh, that he misses talon as a character speaking of dc characters that just kind of disappeared <sighs> um but yeah, that's that's bizarre, especially with this idea that, you know, DC wipes the slate clean and then they wipe the slate clean later, right? Why yeah. not bring these characters back? You can rewrite them. You can do whatever the fuck you want, DC, and you decide not to do that. And maybe, well, you know, that's not they on the top do. of people's they list. Do. But it sounds
2: like you're saying Jeff Jones makes mistakes and you're going to have <laughs> yeah. to stop this. <laughs> okay,
1: but like but the thing with wiping the slate clean is that and I get it. And again, that has precedent and they did that before, but I feel like the last time DC had quote unquote, wiped the slate clean in crisis on infinite earths in the eighties, they didn't really wipe the slate clean. They kind of merged all the timelines together, which was different, but the recent slate wiping, I get why they did it. It's the same thing with star Wars where you're just like, this is too messy. We need a fresh start. I understand that it's a lot to deal with, but it also means you sever that connection that, long-time readers had been building up with these characters and understanding their backstory. Like now you're starting at zero and now you're starting with, why do I care about this character? If all of this backstory no longer matters. Hmm. So yeah, Piper and trickster are back, but they're not the Piper and trickster that were handcuffed together for months on the lamb together, you know?
0: Right. But I mean, with, with the way that DC, like and again, this is limited knowledge. But the way that DC seems to like cram their timelines together and say all oh, this happened, you know, um, they could also just like with a one-panel description to say, "Oh, remember that time we were chain- handcuffed together?" And like then you've 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 reestablished that that all existed, and then you can continue the character arc. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's that's too bold for DC uh, to do because so it's like, dc
1: but is this but i'm sure this kind of thing maybe not as extreme or as emotional as this but in marvel and valiant to name your your flag flagship universes of uh, like where just things happen and sometime like the, you know the characters even if their specific book drops off the characters might recur in other books but then sometimes you think wait what about that other thing that happened does that not count anymore So like that to me is a weird side effect of the serialized nature of these connected universes where, Mm -hmm. you know, you can sort of expect a certain level of carryover and knowing that your knowledge might take you to different parts. Like sometimes you just you know stuff and you're like, "Ah, but that thing that you did that time, does that still not count? Like, I guess a simple version of this is just, you know, those those gray area characters that are like, they're bad guys, but now they're reformed, but now they're bad again. And you're just like, uh... (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the majority of, of One Piece um, <laughs> we're describing right now. Um, <laughs> but no, I, 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 j- I joke because like I, I think this is where a lot of comic book discourse ca- happens online where people will say, oh, so-and-so wrote this character and they're not being true to how so- this character you know acted 20 years ago when they did this thing and that's all canon and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I mean, even though Marvel had their big wipe and start from scratch but it wasn't a wipe and start from scratch because everything happened but nothing did unless it's necessary for the story Uh, but you know i think that's how the big two kind of operates they do tend to cherry pick character histories especially if they got a they have a really 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 long history Um, or they have to do something in the story that says i no longer identify as being a person who does x you know like they have to make a big bold statement if batman started killing people there'd be a whole character transformation i mean they're not going to do that with batman but you know you understand what i mean when if if that's going to happen in a story they usually make a, a huge moment out of that happening for a character oh
1: um, oh i yeah. know because i remember the like five years that dc couldn't shut up about wonder woman snapping max lord's neck like that
0: was yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah.
1: do well, not you know, forget and it's that one
0: this is something like, like we've talked about we literally talked about this the other day like on the discord about wonder woman where you know her origins have drastically changed because of that one run that azarello did uh or brian azarello did where she's no longer this character grown at you know from clay instead she's the child of zeus because that which eliminates a lot uh. of her un- uniqueness and identity which is kind of s- shitty and then you know writers have come in and tried to undo that but then other co- co- writers come in and they double down on it and it really kind of and we're not talking about cliffhangers anymore but i think that we're we're talking about you know the way that especially with the big 2 or with big universe shared universe things that um there is an an issue with how continuity is measured and and kept throughout these long serialized stories which can result in things just getting completely dropped off and missed or characters just disappearing even if they were fan favorites right like someone like hope hope summers right is a character in the x men um you know was a huge thing she was like the pinnacle of everything because she was the first mutant born after house of m happened she was this character that had the ability she has that she's this character that has the ability to like unlock other mutant powers in people if they have them or if they're latent she can like make sure that you get them or she can amplify them um and then suddenly i don't remember what happened like there was this series generation hope that came out and then that was like the last of we saw of her because i think they hinted way too much at her just being like another phoenix character which kind of dampened the entire character but now she's just mm-hmm. kind of in the background and we don't really get to see her as being this this messiah-like character that she was touted as for like two or three years um so i don't know i i that, i understand it definitely sounds unresolved
1: so yeah I, I guess like my point with the the cliffhangers in these bigger shared universes is that you could argue that the whole thing is just a series of cliffhangers at the end of every issue because it's a universe. So the story never ends unless it's right. like a specific mini series like Mr. Miracle. Like, yeah. And even that's part of the bigger canon. It was just removed enough where you could read it as a one shot yeah. or you could read it in the greater context of the universe, which, again, just still moves on because life is not right. a narrative.
0: Right, right. But I mean, to, to kind of jump back to like what I think Nick and I focused on here, you know, that that idea of cliffhangers where books just kind of end is kind of, it, it, I think it's even more impactful when it comes to books that don't have storylines that are going to continue, right? Like if uh, Mr. Miracle ends at 12 issues, it's not like Mr. Miracle is never going to come back as a character. But when you're looking at something like what I have in my list, like Bitch Planet, like that book just isn't coming out anymore and it didn't get resolved Mm -hmm. like i read the last two issues today to make sure that like oh did the book end and i just forgot about it no it ends on like a up next this story and it's like yeah we wanted more of this of this book i mean for those of you who haven't heard of bitch planet um you know the, the the synopsis is basically you know women who not do not behave in this dystopian future society that doesn't seem too far off from today um are uh, labeled as non-compliant in this huge patriarchal society. Um, and they are then sent off to prison if they cannot reform. Uh, and this book follows some of the women who did not comply. And so they get this big brand on them or this tattoo that says NC non-compliant, which was a huge movement for a couple of years, if you guys remember. Uh uh, for those of you who have been around reading comic books for the past six or seven years, like this book started in 2014, and I remember it being such a huge impact. Like when I moved from Michigan to New York, everybody that I knew at Comixology was talking about this book. And I know plenty of people that have gotten NC tattoos on them. I'm pretty sure Tia has a non-compliant tattoo um, because that book was so impactful. And it's a bummer that it's kind of just fell off. Like 2017 was the last issue of the series that came out. They did this triple feature kind of like in-universe miniseries um but that was kind of the end of it in 2017 and the story is not resolved um and i kind of understand why right like kelly c DeConnick, i think was been and, and valentine delandro they were likely feeling a lot of pressure on this book because you have to tell it right because the, it, the the fine line that this book rides is so thin that if you do it wrong it feels like it's a slap in the face to like women and lgbtq community and uh I feel like it's a very tough book to write because it is a satire, but also very meaningful. Um, but yeah, that, that book not being out is, has been a huge bummer because there is so much more that I'd like to, that you would like to see explored. And I think given the past couple of years, especially with what's happening in the world with black Americans and people of color in general, like around the world, um, it, this book feels super important because that story didn't, wasn't just talking about like feminine, like the, the, feminism and how women are treated it's talking specifically in a lot of stories about how women of color are treated throughout the book um, and it's like it's one of those books it's like we want it to come back we want it to come out every month but I understand the hesitancy because it, it's a very tough book to write my guess is my guess from the perspective of Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is a white woman um, trying to make sure that these stories about not just women but also people of color is told well and intelligently without being offensive um, but yeah I, I still miss this book <laughs>
1: It was a great book. That was that was almost my first tattoo. Like, I still don't have any tattoos. Yeah. But for a while, I was like, mm, that NC tattoo that feels like that feels like a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and what a statement something like that says, you know, Um, I remember that being such a big movie. And that book had just was full of essays and stuff It's such a powerful series. So powerful. But it's not like I mean to kind of go back to what Nick was saying before, it's one of those books that Kate was at image and it's not that it was canceled, it's not that it was ended, it's just that the creators likely had other things come up, or this is just a really hard book to write, so we don't have any more issues of it. It's just unfortunate, you know? It just falls into that that side of things that's just like we want more. We all I think a lot of any reader out there who read this book would want more. And I think this the trades of the collected editions of this like sold like gangbusters. But um, it's just it's it's got to be tough to kind of put this book out, especially given the climate that we're in. That's got to yeah. be a pretty, pretty high pressure.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um I, I'd love to 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 lighten things up a little bit with a little one liner. Um, speaking of things that are unresolved, that still like frustrate me at the back of my brain. Once upon a time in the 1970s. Batman fell in love with a ghost lady and was so in love with her that he cried about it. And they never spoke about it again. (laughs) What?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was like Gentleman ghosts wife or something.
1: No, it's, it was this. um, So the first like, like superhero comics that I, that I read was this um, Batman from the thirties to the seventies hardcover collection that my dad had. And, One of the last stories in that collection was this story about Batman. um, Like he was at this like Gothic castle and there was kind of like this undead dude situation. But that's not the part. I don't remember like the plot. I just remember that there was like this beautiful dead lady ghost and. Batman like by the end of the story his eyes were like full of tears and he's like could this be love and the story ends and they never talk about it again I'm like what about that time Batman fell in love with a ghost
2: god that (laughs) sounds like a Mike Mignola (laughs) one shot is what that sounds like to me
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would not be surprised if he had read it and that was uh, it was yeah like thinking about it like the version I read was black and white so definite definite hellboy vibes pre hellboy but um i i sometimes reflect on that issue i'm like man what happened to batman's ghost lover like
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man jeez. yeah (laughs) nick what about you did you have any other books that you were
2: thinking about with this episode yeah i mean like nowhere men would be a great one for me like what a if we want to talk about just this weird wacky schedule that goes on with, with image books, right? Like here's a book from Eric Stevenson who at least at the time was in charge of image. I, I think Eric Stevenson is still in Mm -hmm. charge of image.
0: He's the publisher. Yeah.
2: Which would make sense as to why he can do what he wants to do and doesn't have to do um, what he doesn't want to do. Um, So this book came out, um, The first arc came out from 2012 to 2013, uh, written by Stevenson, drawn by Eric Bellegarde, who was replaced on pencils for arc two by David Taylor. Jordi Belair, it was up for, I think, four Eisners the first year. I think Belair, if I recall correctly, Belair actually won for colors on this book. So it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was Arc 1, 2012-2013. Arc 2 finally released its first issue in 2016. Um, Mm. And they released (laughs) the subsequent issues in the following months. Uh, Each arc is six issues. Um, We still don't have issue 12. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The last issue of Arc 2 came out in 2016. We still don't have issue 12. (laughs) Oh my so God. Finish the series Uh, four years later. um, And you know, what's interesting and this kind of gets at something Mike brought up with the prompt, which was not only like what books either have uh, an artificially imposed cliffhanger where it just got cut short or what books end up with like a narrative cliffhanger that's never been resolved, but also just what sort of books have you yourself kind of never finished. And for me, I finished the first arc of Nowhere Men, I got on board a little late, and I saw all of the weird screwiness that was going on leading into arc two, and I was like, I'm not even going to start arc two, because I know if I start arc two, more of this stuff is going to happen, and I'm going to get really upset, and... Mm -hmm looking back on that several years later and realizing that arc two hasn't even finished. Um, I'm very, gl- I'm very glad that I didn't start it because I think emotionally I would be very upset um, mm-hmm. looking at it now. And it's just, I don't know, as I've said, I'm sort of, you know, Natalie and Brulia torn on this because it's <laughs> easy to look at this and go, this isn't fair like i am the i am the customer i'm always right give me my book like don't you want to make money don't you want my money like are you really that busy like i know you're probably watching hbo on demand right now or something make my book um it's the american way yeah exactly so it's it's easy to kind of fall into that from time to time but also it's like We don't know what's going on with these people. You have to assume if it's something they wanted to do or they had the time to do or that they were interested in doing or that they didn't have something better to do, that maybe they would be doing it. And so Mm -hmm. I think the only thing I would say is – and I've seen this be the case with more recent books – you know, creator transparency with what's going on doesn't hurt. Just a little transparency doesn't hurt. You don't need to like go into, you know, basically give me giving me your full breakdown of your day to day life so I can find 15 minute windows where you should be working on my book. Like you don't need to do that. But if you can just be like, you know what? The artist is tied up with a big contract for DC. And obviously there's a good amount of money to be made there. And we won't we won't go back into this until so and so finishes up. That's great. I mean, this is kind of what happened with Black Magic is eventually Rucka came (sighs) forward and was like, you know, guess what? (laughs) Nicholas Scott is completely tied
0: up on Wonder Woman, if I remember this correctly. and I think it was a combination of like Rucka was having like a lot of personal issues just with the 2016 election. Oh, that's um, what happened
2: with Lazarus. Absolutely. Then, yeah.
0: At Lazarus and black. I think all of his books were kind of affected by that. And then of course, Nicholas Scott was like, yeah, so she's, uh, she's going to go do wonder woman. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> which like, for her. Yeah, We understand.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. And that's just exactly. it. Like
2: uh, with these image books, it just gets so weird of like, is my book dead? will it ever come back what's going on so just a little a little transparency doesn't doesn't hurt because i know like there are still there are still people out there who are like they got volume one of an image book in like 2012 or something and they're still like what's going on like they're still holding out hope (laughs) and it's it's simultaneously so funny and so sad um this is like
0: sex criminals was like that had that same issue where like that book came out and it was i remember you know everyone i think who's read it has loved it and you know it started in like 2014 2013 i can't remember for a while and like the problem the reason why is because like those successful yeah it it was it started in 2013 right and then it released continuously until like 2015 and then it took a break for a year or for a couple of months and then they took another break for like a year and then they took another break and it was just like, you know, and I, I can't blame Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky. I mean, Zdarsky. I think between the the last break that they had and the end of the series, moved on and did so much Marvel work that he was getting praise constantly. So, like, can't blame him for taking his time on that book because he's working a lot. And Fraction yeah, you is doing shouldn't his own stuff. Shouldn't have
2: given him as many compliments as you did, people. That was. <laughs> I hope you take away the right <laughs> message. If 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 you would have scorned his Marvel work
0: accordingly, then then no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but that being said, you know, like there there was definitely like a. um like a, a transparency there that I think Fraction was putting out in his newsletter and as well as the back of the Sex Criminals book to say, like, hey, here's why things are taking forever. Like, he, he was very open and honest about some of the issues that he was having um, with his own mental health. Um, well, weren't Fraction as well and Deconic as-
2: also tied up in that media creation company of theirs? Yes. also that that. they were also working on a
0: bunch of other stuff that was not just comics work which you know what people got to make money they got to work and they want to be creative in different ways and i totally respect that but again that transparency to me as a reader feels like oh well like i can't just be mad because this book isn't coming out anymore that that's some very good reasons and i want to respect that um so can i i don't know
1: can i super super quickly interject with a Fast and fun anecdote about Chipsadarsky.
2: Only if please. it's also furious, but please go on. <laughs> it must be
0: fast and furious.
1: Um, so it was when like the first the first volume of Sex Criminals had come out. So like um one of my friends and I went to TCAF. It was the first and only time I've been to TCAF, and I would love to go back because it's a delightful, manageable, small convention that takes place in the Toronto Library. And mm-hmm. Chipsadarski was there. Doing sketches and signing stuff, and he was signing um, people's like sex criminals' books, and Mm -hmm. he had like a has like a stack of like fancy hardcover versions of it. And I just remember so vividly the person before us in line was like getting their hardcover book signed, and Sardarsky pulled. He had a whiteout pen with him because in in the book signings he was making it look like somebody had come all over the inner pages
2: (laughs) oh my god
1: (laughs) and i'm like he's too famous for that now but that is that was delightful
2: (laughs) i don't know if he's too famous for that now that sounds like something he might still be up for. (laughs) you know oh man if you
0: you bring your own whiteout
1: pen who knows
0: yeah um well, I guess I guess with that all uh, being said, uh, you know, we, we probably should wrap up here. I, I think we probably got a couple more, Nick. I know you've got some other ones if you just want to drop their their names really quick of books that you're bummed about them not ending well or something. Um, go for that really quick.
2: Yeah, I'll just I mean, Danny in the chat is saying Bedlam. Uh, yeah. who, who knows what's going to happen with Bedlam? Who knows? Wasn't there like a whole not to fall down that rabbit hole but i think there was a creator spat which is why rossmo yeah. left and then there were other issues and who knows yeah. um yeah yeah so so that's that i definitely get where you're coming from with that danny um uh roche limit is that how you say that roche limit roche limit yeah, sure. i think it's roche limit yeah. um I think you're right. mike i think you read this book before me this was an image mm-hmm. series michael moretti i'm just going to butcher all the names today maybe that's right who knows and Marici. Vic Malhotra did this in, in uh, starting at sept- September 2014. We got the first arc. We got two more follow-up arcs in the subsequent following two years. Um, I really liked this book. Uh, it did get really weird. It, I mean, tonally, it really felt more like Alien than a lot of other even Alien books that I've read. Mm-hmm. I think as you got towards the, the second arc and really towards the third arc, I don't know if you read the third arc, which I think was called, like, Mo- Monadic? Mike, yeah. I don't know if you read that one. I did it not got, read that one. Okay, like, it really went off the rails and was, like, creation of the universe, sort of crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but, honestly, uh, and, and maybe there was some finality there, but if, 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 if I could get more of that and maybe it got reined in a little. Um, like I would love that, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Uh, obviously, Marichi is, uh, he still might be, he was getting a good amount of DC work for a while. So, I
0: he's mean, he's been doing a lot of work um, with vault actually, I think recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. If I'm okay. not mistaken, I think he had like two books over there for a little bit gotta get that vault clout uh yeah man <laughs> everyone who's cool is working over a vault yeah, comic fan.
2: it really it really it really feels like it's like uh yeah he had the if you're the truly want to
0: be what's happening now you're you're at vault uh, yeah he he's working on the plot which is an ongoing i think and wasted space was his big one okay um but yeah yeah no wouldn't mind more of that yeah, well, um, I wanted to just plug really quick, Time, Go- Time Paradox Ghostwriter... <laughs> which is the most ridiculous book in the world that ended abruptly because you know books get canceled I just want more of that book but anyways let's let's wrap this episode up here um, I want to thank everybody on discord for being fantastic and hanging out with us while we recorded the show um, and uh, thanks to Nick and Kara who you can follow on Twitter just like the rest of us you can follow Nick at Death Star Plans you can follow Kara at Kara SM uh, you can follow me at Mike Rappin and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at IRCB podcast where we try to post pretty regularly um, I got all this new merch it's probably gonna to get posted on both of those platforms pretty soon.
1: This show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. Join now at patreon.com ircbpodcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: We would also love it if you would join us on our Discord channel, which is at ircbpodcast.com forward slash
0: Discord. Uh, And make sure to tell a friend or two about the show, please. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. They are wonderful people. Xander is a very cool guy. He also edits the show. That's all I got to say. He's just a cool guy. Uh, I want to say again, thank you to Kara and Nick for being on the episode. Thank you to everyone on Discord who is listening live and thank you to everyone out there who subscribes and shares the show. We had some reviews that I meant to get to this episode, but we're running long, so maybe I'll get to them next week. Um, If you've written a review for the show, I plan on reading them out, I promise. So if you haven't written one, get on that before next week so I'll read it um, live on the show. And until next time, comics are good and so are you.